Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And welcome to Fantasy Sports Today as we close out the month of April here on the show. Bye bye April. That should be the name of this show, honestly, today. Craig Biss, Joe Ranieri here with you on Fantasy Sports Today. It's good to be with you once again right here on sportsgrid.com and, of course, wherever you are watching the show. And uh, we put the month of April behind us, Joe. Mm. I, I mean, I'm very excited for the month of May. Honestly, I'm very excited for like May 1st, May 2nd. Uh, this month in sports, in the history of my life, there's never been anything like it, or I would say hope like it. It was ridiculous. We essentially had no live events that we care about in the month of April, except for the NFL draft in WrestleMania. I'm guessing that will change. Yeah, it was, um, shall we say, uh, Craig, it was a uh, experience. Uh, that was nice. It was... Uh, interesting. It was creative. It was, can we now hurry the hell up and um, give us something that uh, resembles normalcy, like golf? Oh, wait a minute. We already, we got that, didn't we? And oh yeah, by the way, they're going on uh, over eight days now before you can get a tee time. Right. Eight days. Yes. That's what we're dealing with right now. Crazy. Mother's Day coming up next Sunday. Did you, by the way, did you, I know that you get the good food. Did you already consider a Mother's Day gift already, Joe? I know that next, not this Sunday, but next Sunday you'll be spending your time there. Yeah, I, you know, I did. And uh, it was funny because usually with mom, it's a quick trip to the casino and uh, just uh, let her go and I can't find her. And I'm right, you know, it's a, it gets to be a real mess, but uh, doesn't look like that's going to happen either. So I think I'm going to do the cooking this Sunday though. So I'm going to take care oh, of the meal. Good. Yep. It's next Sunday, by the way. Don't show up this Sunday. That's a good thing you told me that, because there might have been food and, uh, you know, suck it up, Mom. This is what you got. Deal with it. It would have it been the case. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. So Mother's Day is next Sunday. Sunday. And by the way, for those of you who are watching and didn't realize it, I know that you know, things are kind of crazy, but mm-hmm. make sure, especially if you haven't seen your mother in a long time because of what's going on, make sure you get the plan right now. Yes. And don't plan on just you know, mailing something next Thursday or Friday because you know how it is right now. It's very tough to get anything anywhere. So make sure you reach out on Mother's Day next Sunday. We'll start off with that. I think that's a good place to start. Here's another good place to start for the first time in a long time, starting very soon. Mm-hmm. And players in the NCAA, Joe, it looks like starting next year, are finally going to be able to capitalize off their name and off their likeness. We've seen this go on for ages and ages where you can buy the player's jersey there was no name on the back you had to put it on there yourself uh, players that are put on the front of these magazine covers players that are put on the front of video games uh, their names being involved mm-hmm. in video games. and, and yep. look, this has been a long time battle it's gone on for 20 years but we also still don't know the specifics as to how much compensation that they're going to be able to get but without a doubt especially at the higher levels if you're a junior or a senior in college and you could get hurt and lose everything in just a matter of seconds why not be able to capitalize on yourself? Makes sense to me. This whole thing is, it serves the NCAA, Mark Emmert and company, right, Craig? Because this was a mess you guys created. This is all, this was all on you making billions of dollars off the likeness of these kids 
pretending the moral high ground that they're just student athletes, they're students first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While you make billions of dollars and these guys are uh, most of these kids outside of their scholarship and trying to figure out they can't even afford a hamburger down a road. I mean, it's laughable, absolutely laughable that it got to this place. But you know what? Even the NBA was like, it, this whole one and done thing makes no sense. These kids shouldn't have to be forced to go to college in order to have a career. I, we don't do it in the military, Greg. So, you know, you're 18, you know, you, you can go off and fight and defend for this country, but, oh, you're not allowed to go to the NBA. Oh, yeah, right. The whole thing was asinine, and I'm so glad the NBA did it because essentially they stuck it to college uh, basketball. And California, don't forget, passed that r rule, didn't they? Weren't there all sorts of threats going on with California? Like, they're going to pull the... Uh, the uh, the championship games there, and they wouldn't, uh, you know, paying these kids. Oh, really? Uh, let, let's see how that works out come next year now. Yeah, I, I think that this is a long time coming. And it's good for the game. I don't think that this is going to affect the integrity of the game at all. They were always worried about that, paying college kids. And then, yeah. you know, they wouldn't be worried about keeping up their studies. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. Seriously, you're a senior, you're headed to the NFL. Who's even showing up to class at that point? And I'm being a little bit facetious, of course, you know, you yeah. want these guys to get education, but realistically speaking, they're the ones that are playing in front of the fans. They're yes. the ones that are playing on television. And you get to the latter end of your career, you should be able to cash in. In terms of your point with the NBA, it's so bizarre because the NBA used to allow kids to go directly from high school. Then they changed the rule because they, they felt like a lot of kids were failing, Joe, and it was no. true. I mean, I don't know if there is an answer to that, but you had a handful of kids, Joe, who went from essentially high school got drafted in the second round yep. of the nba draft and yep. and then they of course created the d league which became the g league but that ain't enough money to sustain and you've seen so many stories about this through the years about different players who have really struggled uh, when their careers have ended and ended really prematurely because they got bad advice going from high school to college so yep. um i agree i do think that they should be able to make that decision but there also has to be a better system in place because I kind of feel like going to college one year gives you at least a little bit of a better chance to see the life. They should be able to make that decision for themselves. I'm sure it's going to go back to the way that it used to be. But for now, we'll just have to see what happens. And usually that one year, when those kids go to school that one year, they end up being... You know, leaving if they do leave they end up being superstars yeah so, that's uh, the other problem Greg. we're not talking about we're talking about just a handful of kids that'll ever be good enough in order to be able to make the the leap from high school to the pros anyway right i mean we're talking about lebron james kobe bryant kevin garnett guys that's there's not a long list of these kids that happen but if you are good enough and you have absolutely zero intention of actually going to school and the only reason you're doing it like Simmons did a couple of years with LSU he's like I hated it I never wanted to go but they made me go because I had to go there for a year this just gives those very select few an opportunity to start their career a year earlier and make some money because they're the kinds of kids that make the needle move in March Madness you and I both know this it's not the the sophomores and the juniors who are there it's the Zion right. Williams of the world, and there's not a lot of them, but now they're choosing to go, you know what, I'll take the 500000 I'm not going to college because why should college and the universities profit off of me, and I can't make any money for a year, but everybody else can. I don't blame them. I do not yeah, blame it, them. 
it's an interesting dynamic because again, you have a lot of kids who did not succeed coming out of high school yeah. as well. Yeah, true. Um, that'll be a fun exercise to kind of go through at some point, but uh, definitely good for the NCAA at this point, and with no choice essentially to start paying. You know, Trevor Lawrence probably not part of that because he'll be coming out after this year, I would assume. But the following year and everything else, all these kids were getting uh, in college. Yeah. It's a dynamic yeah. with football I can't wait to see. Is it only basketball, or are they going to allow some of these football players to you know, uh, I'm not to sure. profit? That's a good question. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not yeah. sure about that. Because they have to stay in for, what, three years? I don't think you can – the earliest you can come out as a junior with the NFL. In football, you have to go three years. Three, um, right. But you don't. You could be a sophomore. You know, you could be a redshirt sure, sophomore. sophomore. Right. So you got to have three. And I think that makes – more sense you know i, right. I understand like your first year you sit the second year you play third year you play and then you can't yeah. send an 18 year old into an nfl yeah no like no, no. yeah no. <laughs> not yet no no you need those three years it's <laughs> so That's true sure. uh, another story i saw that i gotta <laughs> ask you about this one and you talk about a, a bizarre opinion on something this is from mike bianchi of the orlando sentinel okay in you know, and, and, and Mike's been, a, you know, he's covered the Gators. He's covered a lot of different things in Florida throughout the years. But he puts a column out, Joe, yesterday saying that Dan Marino needs oh, to unretire his number 13 so that Tua can have number 13. Now, especially coming from somebody who writes in the state of Florida, like, I mean, this is the equivalent of me doing the story and doing it for like, uh, you know, let's say Cincinnati retired boomer mm-hmm. side, mm-hmm. and they, they got to unretire boomer. Like, who am I to be talking about that? Like, he from Florida. He's from the state. Like, do you not understand that even though we are very far removed from a lot of the kids knowing who Dan Marino is, that between Dan Marino and Dwayne Wade in South Florida, and they're one and two anyway, is placed. It. I, I, there's a lot of people who feel Dwayne Wade is now the number one athlete all time in South Florida, and there's a case to be made. For but for 30 years, it was Dan Marino, and there's no way that the Dolphins are going to unretire 13 for Tua. And if I'm Dan Marino, I kind of know Dan Marino a little bit. I don't think he can have any interest in unretiring at 13. He is 13. He signs the same 13. This is, uh, this is what happens when you've got generation. Now, how long has this, uh, this reporter been around? I don't want to call him out. He, he's not somebody I'm going to gather. Has he been around long yeah, enough to see Marino play? A long time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Way before Marino. Yes. Well, he's then, then somebody's got to take his temperature because he might be coming down with something. The idea that you would unretire a number for a guy that has not thrown a pass in the NFL is I don't know if it gets any more insulting than that. I don't know if it was a joke or, or not, but somehow or another, one of the game's greatest quarterbacks is should unretire his number. So a guy who has done absolutely nothing but get hurt to this point in his career, I, I got to check the fever, man. Check the fever. Something's going on there. And and he watched Marino play? Oh, Absolutely. I, yeah. I, I, Absolutely. I, I, guess, I guess it begs the question even more, and we had a discussion about this a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. is where are you on this? Should teams just forget about retiring all numbers and, and then this way it'll never have to happen again? Should they continue to do it? Because as an example, the Yankees have gone down this path and they've gone, you know, at this point, it's not, it's like you basically, you get to the clubhouse and right. the clubhouse gives you the number. Point, exactly. You know? like, yes. Give me this number, it's gone. Give me this number, it's gone. Like, you got Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio and Derek Jeter and Luke Gehrig 
and Whitey Ford and yep. you know and Red Jackson and, and Babe Ruth. It just doesn't stop. You know. Yep. yep. So the you get the clubhouse just gives you the number. You know. Right. But for a lot of teams, you still have that chance. In the time that teams just say, "Hey, look, no matter how good you are, we ain't retiring it anymore," because I feel like fans want that. They, they like that. They like history, and especially what works real well, Joe, in history. And this is kind of how it, you know when they, when you see a lot of jersey retirements, right? And you see a lot of names going into the team's Hall of Fame. It's usually a season where the team stays. Yes, because they want to give their fans something to go to the game for that year. We see that all the time. So it's promo uh, I mean, night. <laughs> I like the exercise, but if but if we're going down the road where somebody really thinks that the most iconic player in the history of, of a team's franchise, right? To give up. A, like, can you can you imagine Joe a player going to the New York Giants and saying that they Yes, exactly. Correct. And and having a a reporter who covered LT be like, I think this is a great idea. I I mean, honestly, I've never unless you are just and I'll give him this. You're probably running out of things to to write about right now. Yeah. Right. It ain't easy. But my word, dude. Like, who are you kidding here, man? That's just. Uh, uh, I, I'm shocked, actually. When I, and you know what? Even old school, even new school Miami Dolphin fans are like, um, no. Like, no, we're not on retiring 13. So Tua, who <laughs> hasn't completed a pass yet, may not even play this year. That's the best part. You'd unretire it for a guy that's going to sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fair point, too. Tua can pick number Just, 14. Come on. We got to end this pandemic, please. Like the I guess fact he Bob Greasy, but uh, 14 could be available. 14 would be available, yeah. So, okay, because he was so, because he okay, it must be all those, no, no, that's right, no, he lost to uh, to Clemson. Yeah, no, I don't get it, man. I, like, I do not, and now I also think there are some teams, to your point, that do this out of promotional sake, uh, oh, yeah, you know, like minor league baseball. What is the bar? Is my would be my question. Like, what is the bar that one player would have to Everybody achieve? Yeah, I know, and that's kind of the problem with it. Some, it's just like, oh, he's got a heartbeat. Yeah, let's bring him in. Uh, but I, the Yankees have been, the, you know, the guys you rattled off. Uh, you know, anything less than that is unacceptable. But it's not the same. Not every team had a Mickey Mantle. So, yeah, no, yep. fair point. Uh, well, how about this report yesterday, Joe? Uh, sportsbook betting, shockingly, down 76% in the month oh, yeah. of March. Yep. It was the worst March for Vegas in who knows how long. Now, obviously, in, a lot of that. Until this month. <laughs> <laughs> until those numbers come out next month. Yep. That's right. They still had the first week of March, right? That's right. Yep. But look, I mean, Joe, realistically, even when they open back up Las Vegas, mm-hmm. I mean, if, there's no, if there's no sports to bet on, how do these numbers do anything but continue to either flatline or go lower? Yeah. I mean, I mean the force is down 76%. The other 24% was before they shut everything down. Yep, that's correct. It's um, And it's going to be, I, I think most books were open there through about mid-March, mid-March 15th, 16th, 17th, yeah, somewhere around there. So you're talking about two and a half, three weeks in a month that you were able to bring in even still millions, guys, in revenue. But um, they've been basically closed the entire month of eight. You're talking about a a multi-billion dollar business there in Vegas that is no longer that closed for 30, you know, over 30 days. 
I, it's mind numbing. But, and then the question is, well, who the hell lost? Like, like, what were you betting in the first couple of weeks of March that you lost that kind of money? Whoo, man, I tell you. Yeah, a lot of return money, too, though, also. Keep that in mind, too. Yeah, a lot of, re- lot of future bets that I think that were returned as well. Yeah, speaking of which, I got to get mine. And you still haven't? No, nah, because they're not open yet. Yeah, that's true. It, how, it, about, soon. how about yep, Next soon. week, the week after that, sad, yep. Yep. But the good news is the sooner they get back in the, the, the there'll be, I know that's the big question is who's going to travel to, you know, once the, the sports books and the casinos open yeah. up, but I think there'll be way more people than, than they think. Well, we'll see. We, uh, we're, we're getting a little bit more clarity here in our state of Florida with some places being open yes. and not I'm sure wherever you are watching in the country, you're getting some more clarity for that as well. Um, this is Manny Ramirez. Joe says if he still wants to play, play what? And he wants to play in Taiwan. What is he playing? Like what? <laughs> stop, Manny! I feel stop. Like every year we get some oh. Manny Ramirez coming backstory. No, I can't. Like I like I can't. Like with or without Royce though? What's he playing with? He lives yeah. in Pembroke Park, not far from me. No, exactly. Yeah, he's not that uh, that far at all. I listen. I. I love Manny Ramirez. I think he was great for the game. He was a lot of fun. Uh, but, you know, at this point, Let it go. Let it go. Come, come on, dude. I mean, unless he can, he, I don't know. Do you think he could play? I mean, he, he was, he's banned from baseball because he never filled out his suspension, you know, like got suspended for the final time for PEDs when he was in Tampa and just quit. That's why we love so. him. <laughs> That's right. Guy that would have been a bona fide first ballot Hall of Famer with a bona fide almost no shot. Without a doubt. Yep. Wouldn't even been close. All right. Coming up next, it's time for this day in fantasy sports. We also have our fantasy sports birthday. So make sure you stay tuned. Joe Ranieri and Craig Mitch, we're back in a couple of minutes. Don't forget, head on over to sportsgrid.com or YouTube to check out all of our videos. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Ranieri with you here on the show. And this is April 30th, 2020. It is the final day of April. It's like uh, our theme of the show is just saying farewell to nothing, which is essentially what we what happened. Uh, but, of course, in the past, there were a lot of great things that happened in sports. So let's, let's hit on those instead, Joe. Let's, talking about that. Was there anything other than the NFL draft that compelled you in sports? in the past month anything zero yeah absolutely zero nothing like we we had wrestlemania for a weekend but i was not into it yes no no and it was more anticipation of hopefully hearing some news and getting some clarity was it but that was the draft was the only weekend in all of april that we all had something to look forward to again that was and that was it that was it 
By the way, the uh, win is opening up uh, at the end of May. Re- really? Is it back on? Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. Let's go. Money, 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 yeah. money. Let's do it. Crazy. We're going to be here about the Hard Rock here in Florida opening up. That's coming too, right? That's coming too. Absolutely. They have a choice. They can really do whatever they want, right? Yep. Yeah, you know, Seminole Indians don't, uh, the uh, Seminole tribe doesn't really answer to anybody in this state but themselves. So they yeah, can do so, what they uh, wish. I would, I would think in the month of May they'd be open as well. Yep. So we'll see. Okay, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's get going here. This day in fantasy sports history, we'll start off with April 30th, 1939. Joe was three years old, actually, at the time of this happened. About that. Yeah, well, that's generous. It was four, but okay. Four, all right. Yeah. Uh, Lou Gehrig played his 2,130th game. This was his final game played as well. And I would tell you this. I'm not certain about a lot of records in sports. Right. I never want to say never. And, well, you know, like in baseball, I don't think anyone will touch the wins record. Or like, there are just some things that seem so far unrealistic. But okay. i got to tell you, of them all, this is it. This really? Is it. I just don't ever see – I don't know how Cal Ripken broke this record, honestly, being healthy as long as he did. I mean, think about the amount of years that you have to play and do this. And Ripken used to say, man, it used to wear on him. And, and, and he broke that streak, of course, in 21-31. And, and I, Joe, I just don't see this record being broken ever. No, It'll stand no. forever. No, I, I do not either. I just don't see a situation where – that kind of longevity, that kind of Iron Man, um, just not going to happen. I, I often debate it too. Like, what is the one baseball record that will just live forever? And it usually comes down to the Lou Gehrig or Cal Ripken right. um, and uh, the 56 game hitting streak with Joe DiMaggio. Those seem to be the two that we always I land think on. Somebody could break Joe DiMaggio's record. Really? He gets lucky. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that could happen. Like, I, you know what is more realistic for me? And it's a good number that you bring it up. Like, whatever, I don't know what the record is for most complete games in a season is, but that's not getting broken. That's a good point, too. Yes. Yeah. Like, no, like nobody completes one game. In it. I'm guessing it's whatever it is, 30, 20. Yeah. Which, by the same token, is the strikeout record ever being broken? You know, a lot of guys strike out a lot of guys now. I don't think so. Right, because that's more longevity, right. isn't it, more than anything else? Uh, yeah, well, Nolan Ryan played till he was 100, so. Right, so it's it's interesting there. Yeah, I, it, every time we always hear guys with the straight 28 games, and then it's like, oh, it falls. You know, I can't imagine. Well, Pete Rose was the second one, right, 44? Uh, yeah, he was, yeah. Pete Rose, yeah, and then that's yeah. and then that, that's been it, guys. And it's, yeah, it's like great. 30, Castillo, Benito Santiago. Yep. Yeah, yep. it's, it's, it's an unbelievable mark, really. Oh, I mean, uh, a player not only being healthy, but wanting to play every single day. That's just a, that, in this incredible. day and age. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. Uh, 1975, April 30th, Larry O'Brien, named NBA commissioner. Of course, after that, it was David Stern. And Larry O'Brien is the Larry O'Brien trophy. Now, mm-hmm. if you never knew that and you watch fantasy sports today, we taught you a little lesson. Yep. There Love that. That's great. The picture there says says it all. Bruce Smith, the first pick overall by the Buffalo Bills, one of the better first picks in NFL history. Bruce Smith went on to be a dominant force for Super Bowls, and of course, Joe ended up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yep. I don't remember. I don't remember the draft going into May, but 
who knows? Tomorrow we'll be back on yeah. this show. Maybe we'll do another this day in history. It'll be that. Yeah, I can't uh, remember much of uh, anything ever happening uh, in the, this late ever outside of. To think about it, we're usually just ramping up now a month into baseball season, right? We'd be 30 games in. We'd be already starting to make, uh, what, our first moves with fantasy here? Would you give it 30? Oh, yeah. A lot of moves would have been had already. Right? Yeah. You'd already started dumping people and been like, oh, this guy's a boom. <laughs> I don't want to make you really sad, but you know what you would have missed this weekend or next weekend? What's what? The Kentucky Derby. Oh, yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, somebody just brought that, uh, somebody else. There's a big race coming up here this weekend, but yes, the Kentucky Derby, we would have been a, a major in, in golf. We'd have been mastered in already. We'd have Kentucky Derby. Sad. Yeah. Now, now we're going UFC on May 9th is our big one now. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, appreciate that. Okay. <laughs> also, April 30th, 2010, the final day of the month. Mariano Rivera, not his 51st save. Which, which was a consecutive record at home, wow. breaking the record previously held by Eric Gagne. And, uh, you know, this is a record I can see broken also as well. You know, a, a poser gets hot, Joe, he just starts getting saves. You know, players, you know, teams play close games a lot now. So, I mean, it's, it's an unbelievable record, but one that could fall. I, I think so, too. I think that can, uh, I think that probably sooner rather than, uh, then later there, I know it's so hard though, man. It's you got to have an elite guy, but I could see that happening. Yeah, an elite guy I, with a I, really I, good I, team. But I wouldn't say that it's completely unrealistic. I mean, that's that's because again, think about 2010 to, to through 2020, and go back in history, Joe. They didn't always need to use those closers in the 80s and 90s. Now good it's easier actually to break a record like this because you know that they're always going to go to a guy in the night. Like, nobody yep. completes games. Yep. Uh, and they got to have a team that's actually, even Mariano, Gagne, those kinds of, they were on good teams. Gagne was on a good team, oh. they, you know? Oh. So appearances and the ability to be able to pull it out is kind of, is yeah, but yeah, it, it could happen soon. Edwin Diaz on the Mets. <laughs> oh, please. You get three okay. Okay. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> April 30th, 2015, Jameis Winston selected first overall by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ironically, yesterday, he made his signing official, Joe. This dude is getting paid $1 million. Are you kidding me? How did this happen? A <laughs> million dollars? I guess the, the, quote, the quote from whoever broke it was, oh, it was more important for him to be in a learning situation. Really? $1 million. Dollars and and here I am going. Times with Jameis Winston's getting. I'm like, look at all this money the Saints are paying in the quarterback room, and then this comes out like he's. It's not even. It's like nine hundred and some thousand dollars. I'm like, ooh, how's he going to hit any incentives? Wow, well, there's not. I mean, he could make up the three million. I think they said, but he he got to play. He's not playing this year. It's not going to. If he's playing, something went terribly wrong with the Saints season. Unless they give Breeze a game off, like you talked about yesterday. Yes, like yeah, that's a possibility. Games. Yep. Quarterback a game off. A guy like that could get a game off, too. Wow. That was a fair crazy. Yep. About that. All right, so that's this day in fantasy sports. If it's your birthday out there, Ooh. you share a birthday with the players that we're about to discuss Ooh. right now. It was a weekday for birthdays. I know you're looking at the screen saying, guys, why? But, look, we do this every day. 
I, I mean, if we miss someone, let me know at Craig Mish at Joe Ranieri. I know this isn't the greatest list of birthdays. In fact, one of them I just threw on for the sake of Joe. But really, here's where we're at. Uh, oh, Bill and I know exactly who. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Phil Garner's the one. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Phil Garner, a former really good player with the Astros, former yeah. manager as well, hard-nosed type player. Not a lot of people remember him. If you're one of the millennials, you have no clue who Phil Garner was, but he was a pretty good player back Very in his day. Yeah. It didn't have a long list of baseball players to throw Houston for a while, too, right? He had that really, uh, that Magnum yeah. P.I. mustache forever, I remember. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, still goes to the Astros camp, uh, spring training. Really? Goes up. Yeah, saw him there wow. two years ago. That's cool. Not much else on him. No. Isaiah Thomas, boy, has anybody been in the news more than Isaiah Thomas. Wow. I mean, this guy is just wow. like, I mean, I understand because it's the only thing on television. And by the way, the, these past two episodes of the last dance, the first two on a scale of one to 10 were like nine and a half, 10. I'm a little afraid, Joe, because the last two episodes were like eight and a half, eight. Yeah. And I, I and I hope, <laughs> yep. and I hope that they're not going downhill a little bit. And I hope that this ten-part series was worth doing in ten parts because honestly, the last two were just okay. But Isaiah Thomas is the talk of basically everybody here at Sports Grid, everybody on all the major talking points for a story that happened like thirty years ago. So I'm kind of willing to move on from it. I, you know, I'm just uh, I'm amazed, really, that and if you're a Dennis Rodman fan or if you or somebody that thought he would never watch them play, but just thought he was a, as a complete lunatic. The understanding of just, you know, how in this day and age, could you imagine somebody in this NBA being like, you know what? I'm going to Vegas for the weekend, guys. I'll be back. I'll t like the, you imagine what the media would have done with that and what social media would have done with that. Oh, wow. This would have been like on the block. Boys were good. I do You're right. A field day? That's not even the word. That's not even the word for it. I need a couple of days off. I'll be it back. It would have been amazing. I, I really, you're right. I mean, that, like, Twitter? Oh, my word. I you, LeBron right. can't yeah. even tell you. Isaiah's not the most loved guy ever. And even no. when he, a lot of people forget, Joe, that Isaiah Thomas was also the um, the head coach at FIU, That's Florida correct. International University Basketball. And they had so many high hopes for this guy, and their season just, you know, two seasons of him just did not go particularly well. So great player, but everybody, everybody has always. The coach of the Knicks too? Yeah, he, he destroyed the Knicks as a uh, GM there. It was uh, not yeah. a very good tenure. Plus, he got sued. They were allegations. It was a mess. Uh, but he's not necessarily a nice. He rubs guys the wrong way. A lot of them, and the fact that Michael to this day. Still calls them and still rips them. I, it's just, it's amazing. But, and again, that's the kind of crap you would never hear today because no. everybody vacations together. Everyone loves one another. You're talking, what, 30 some odd years? And they still hate each other years. today. Crazy. Wow. Crazy. Yep. Okay. So here, here's, a, here's a couple of other birthdays. This is a, a Joe Ranieri special here. Hmm. Al Toon, yes, born in 1963, one of the greatest wide receivers all time of the New York Jets. Love I mean, Al you think about it. Al Toon, Wesley Walker, amazing. 
pretty much. <laughs> Wayne Corbett. I mean, that was. Yeah, all... I got to stop there. Don Maynard. I got to go back. Don Maynard. Maynard. Yeah, I got the ring. Um, yeah, you know, Corbett. Uh, uh, Keyshawn there was originally drafted on him, but uh, Altoon was a. He was a Jet Jet, man. He was part of a uh, a lot of hope during those years when he played with the Jets. Uh, Gastineau, Clay, we were gonna sack everyone. We were gonna we were gonna win a Super Bowl. That one's for you. Thanks. Enjoy. Appreciate that. Yes. Okay. Elliot Sadler, NASCAR driver, born in 1975, and then we close it out with Michael Kopech, born in. 1996. Yesterday. Michael Kopech. <laughs> Might as well have Michael Kopech trying to make his comeback this year. And if there is a season, Kopech will be in that rotation for the Chicago White Sox. You know, Isaiah Thomas's nickname was Zeke. What that was a pretty good nickname. Yeah, Zeke That's in the right. NBA. Zeke, yeah. Yep. And it got me thinking, Joe, who has the best nicknames in the history of the NBA, in your opinion? Who's, who's the best one? That's best nickname. Yeah. The best nickname. Well, I know. Before we Malone, tell everybody what we think, what do you think? Well, I think I, the the first one that came to mind was was Carl Malone, the mailman. I mean, that was okay. yeah, I think that for a long, long time there. Um, but there, there's been some really good ones. Um, but why don't we show everyone? What all right, some we'll, of the good go, we'll go over some of these lists here. Let's see what you got. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go, the mailman. Uh, so, so here is here is the. Uh, 10 through 6, I would say, from we'll count backwards here. Okay. So, like, uh, David Robinson, the Admiral, of yes. course, he played the name, Carl Malone, the mailman. Uh, and Glove is a really underrated nickname in the NBA because of uh, Peyton winning Defensive Player of the Year, I believe multiple, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Akiba Olajuwon, the Dream. Like, the ones that rhyme are not as cool to me as the ones that right. they actually had to come up with something. So... You know, that's fine. And then Pistol Pete. Yeah, Pistol Pete, absolutely. Not an honorable mention, by the way, for Charles Barkley as Sir Charles. He did not Sir, make Yes, list. yes. He wasn't knighted until later, but yes. There you go. So, yeah. those, so those are the uh, 10 down to 6. Now, let's take a look at the best of all time. Okay? Wow. But those were some good ones. You know, I, I mean, I got to say, like, some people think Air Jordan is the best nickname of all time. I do not think so. I don't know. I, that I, Was that a nickname? I guess so. Like every listener, isn't it? Well, I don't know. I, I like Iverson's better. The answer, Kobe Bryant, Black Mamba, and then the yeah. key debate. So you can only pick one. Yeah. Magic Johnson or Dr. J. Yeah, Dr. J. Absolutely. Yeah. You got Dr. J yeah. Over yeah. I would go Dr. J over Magic, but it, yeah, those without a doubt, and, and Kobe more recently, obviously with the Black Mamba, but. I, you know, more people know him by Kobe, I think, than the Black Mamba. No, would you say? I agree with that, too. And I and I think Black Mamba only came in to people's recognition very later on. Later on, right. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Dr. J, Dr. Pepper commercials. I mean, come on. I got Dr. J doesn't get any better than that, man. Love that. Dr. Julius are magic. How about uh, Chocolate Thunder? That was one I left out. Also, yes. What was... Uh, what was Kareem? Did he? Have, I don't think he had a nickname. No. No. Skyhook. <laughs> that was about it. Birds. So, Celtics. Interesting the Sorry, people Bird. on this list too. Yeah, because not, not a lot of Celtics here having any names. No, not any nicknames for the Celtics. No. <laughs> Guys, you love to hate. I guess. Exactly. <laughs> so All right. True. We'll uh, we'll uh, 
take a quick time out here on Fantasy Sports Day. When we come back, we had Jamie Eisenberg on the show, mm. and Jamie talked a ton about fantasy sports as it related to some of the rookies that were drafted in the NFL. So we're going to play that back for you next coming up here on Fantasy Sports Day. Right here. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish along with Joe Ranieri as we continue some of our discussion about the 2020 NFL Draft from a fantasy perspective. And we bring in Jamie Eisenberg of CBS Sports and, of course, CBS Fantasy, cbsports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Jamie Eisenberg. Jamie, thanks so much for coming on the show. And it's good to see you and talk to you. How are you? Good to see you and talk to you as well. Uh, I'm doing well. Hope you guys are doing okay, staying safe, being smart. And uh, hopefully uh, we we get a, uh, a fun football season after a fun draft. Yeah, hopefully so. It was a really exciting draft. I know a lot of people watched. I was watching uh, the first two days, uh, for, you know, Thursday and Friday. I was completely locked in, and then Saturday came, and it was a little bit in and out there. But um, I'd love to just kind of, first of all, get an overall thought from your perspective on the fantasy side of this thing. Uh, the way that I've kind of described it, at least from my view, Jamie, is that it seems like it's really deep. Like, there are going to be a lot of rookies drafted this year. I'm just not so sure how high they will be drafted. That was my view. I'd love yours. Well, I, I think it's it's interesting, you know, depending on if you're talking seasonal redraft leagues or, or dynasty leagues, because there's some guys that ended up in some great spots that could be fantastic for 2021 and beyond. But I think when you're talking 2020, you're right. It's a deep class. I don't know if we're going to get, you know, a, a consistent range of the rookies. You know, I think we'll see, you know, guys like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jonathan Taylor, uh, maybe, you know, DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers, you know, going in the first five rounds, potentially. Uh, the receivers didn't exactly land in spots where they're going to, I think, have the chance to be highlight-type players, um, consistent fantasy producers right from the get-go in year one, but that always takes time with wide receivers anyway. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's a deep class. There's a ton of talent. They just didn't end up in some of the more favorable spots across the board. Yeah, and, and I would ask your opinion on that in terms of favorable because uh, Carryon Johnson on Detroit, now he's got to compete with DeAndre Swift, of course. But when Carryon Johnson's on the field, he's pretty good. And in Indianapolis, I can make the case that over the last couple of years, when Marlon Mack has been on the field, the Colts have been a really dynamic team. And, of course, he's had some injury history as well. Is it as that simple as those players are going to have to beat out the incumbents in order to get playing time in 2020? Because those two players that I mentioned not too long ago were pretty much RB2s at the lowest, fantasy starters. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, Mac, I think a little bit safer than carry on, carry on probably a higher ceiling than Mac when things were going well. But I think the teams kind of told you what they're thinking. You know, both teams traded up to get those guys, uh, you know, in, or, or at least in the Indianapolis Colts case, um, you know, and Swift was was a high pick in the second round. So they kind of tell you that they're not thrilled with the guys there. Now, in Detroit's case, carry on Johnson, like you said, when he's played, he's been good, but he's been hel- uh, hurt. Each of the last two seasons. So they needed to add depth. They found a chance to get one of the more talented players coming into this draft, one of the more talented running backs for sure. And so Swift, I think, makes some sense for them. For Mack, you know, he's a two-down player. They just don't use him on third downs. I think Taylor can be a three-down guy, but they do have Naheem Hines there. But he's going to be a free agent after this season. So 
I think it's going to be a situation in both cases where talent's going to win out. I think Swift is better than Johnson. I think also Jonathan Taylor is much better than Marlon Mack. And I think you'll see by the end of the season, similar to what we saw like in Philadelphia last year, where Miles Sanders by the end of the season was just awesome. I think those are going to be the best running backs, the rookies for those teams. Jamie, is there going to be a, uh, shall we say, a fantasy stud that maybe didn't equate to where they were drafted uh, in a year from today? I think a year from today, J.K. Dobbins is going to be a monster. You know, you, you end up with a situation in Baltimore. Mark Ingram's going to be 31 by the end of the year. He's been awesome. They love him. Obviously, he fits their culture. You know, big trust, all those things that they go about saying. And um, I went back and listened to an interview with Mark Ingram from Radio Row in the Super Bowl. And he was just talking about, you know, how they needed to add playmakers. I don't think he wanted to see another running back come in. But this is an indication that they're not thrilled with Gus Edwards and Justice still for now. But I think J.K. Dobbins by 2021 could be a guy that's going to be awesome. So this is what I was talking about. When you get to these rookie-only drafts, dynasty formats, Dobbins is going to go ahead of guys like Swift and Akers for sure. He should be the third running back off the board because I think next year he could be an absolute stud. All right. So the other two running backs that I think that we have to talk about for sure is, of course, Cam Akers. There's no doubt that he's going to factor in somewhat in what the Rams are doing for sure. And then also Vaughn on Tampa Bay. I, I can't really figure out what Tampa Bay is doing, honestly, with Jamie. I mean, it's a lot of guys that they drafted a couple of years ago, they've just completely fallen out of favor for and Ronald Jones and O.J. Howard. But, you know, certainly this is the direction that Bruce Arians is going uh, between Akers and Vaughn. Who holds more fantasy potential for this year? Right now, I'm going to go Akers just because I think there's a clear path for him to get touches. I do think that Ronald Jones could be a guy that's an annoyance to Vaughn on first and second down, but I do think Vaughn will eventually be the third down guy and then push Ronald Jones off the field. But I just look at Daryl Henderson. He can't stay healthy, and he didn't exactly impress anybody last year. Malcolm Brown, to me, is just the guy. I think Cam Akers is a special talent, and this is hard for me to say, Craig. You know I'm a Florida Gator, so to talk about a Seminole is a little bit challenging. But right. you know what he had to overcome last year at Florida State with a bad quarterback, with bad offensive line play, and still put up tremendous stats, averaged over five yards per carry. Uh, he's a, a dual threat. He can catch the ball in the backfield. You know, once upon a time, played some quarterback. So I think Sean McVay is going to have fun with him, and I think he'll be the best running back for the Rams. So I would take him over Vaughn. It's close. But Vaughn, I think, is going to be the best running back in Tampa Bay also. He's a better pass blocker already than Ronald Jones. He's probably a better pass catcher, and that's going to be the thing that matters. you got to make sure Tom Brady is safe. you got to make sure he's going to not take extra hits. That doesn't necessarily have to happen. And so I think Vaughn, as we've seen, Ronald Jones just doesn't fall in favor with Bruce Arians. I think Arians is done with Ronald Jones, and so Vaughn will be on the field quickly. So Craig's not all that happy with Jerry Judy at Denver. Uh, not a big believer in luck, but who do you think is going to have the best fantasy season among the wide receivers who were taken in this year's draft? I've gone back and forth between, you know, C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy. I do think J Judy's path to targets is a little bit easier because while Cortland Sutton is good, he doesn't have the same pedigree that Judy has. Judy can automatically step in and become the number one receiver there. Remember, even though Sutton's been on the team, it's a new offensive coordinator, and Locke only started the last five games last season. So it's not like there's a history between Locke and, and Sutton that's going to go beyond what Judy can sort of step in and overcome. So I think Judy could be the better of the two, but you look at the quarterback situation for Dallas, I know everybody sees Amari Cooper and, and Michael Gallup, and that's going to be hard for CeeDee Lamb to overcome that. But they lost almost 170 targets with Jason Witten and Randall Cobb walking out the door. So there's an opportunity there for Lamb to still be successful as the number three guy. So I'll take Lamb slightly ahead of Judy, but I go back and forth on those two guys. Yeah, I, I like Lamb a lot, and I think that you know he'll, I, I had him ranked as my number one fantasy guy as far as rookies going into the season. But a close second to me was the one that during the draft I texted you, or maybe it was before the draft, I don't recall. Maybe I think it was before. Uh, Jalen Rieger uh, of TCU, to me, is has a chance to be like Steve Smith was with Carolina. Um, look, the quarterbacking situation, 
they have, of course, Wentz there. But you you talk about a wide receiver that, regardless of the talent, Jamie, is walking into a spot where he could very well be the number one wide receiver going into the 2020 season with the Philadelphia Eagles. So I love the spot, and I love the player. So maybe I should have him ranked as my number one rookie wide receiver going into the year. And, and, and you absolutely can. My colleague Dave Richard has Rager as his top receiver, you know, and I understand it. You know, it's a situation that we were clamoring for. You know, we were kind of hoping to see Judy or Lamb end up in Philadelphia if they could have, you know, swung a trade to move up. But uh, Rager's got a ton of talent. You know, I think you look at what he did at TCU. Bad quarterback play probably hindered him a little bit. The one concern I have is, they're still going to be tight and heavy, as we know, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. They're going to throw to their backs, obviously. But what is this wide receiver core going to look like? If it's Jeffrey gone, Deshaun Jackson still can't stay on the field, only played one healthy game last year. Uh, you know about Greg Ward, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Those guys aren't going to be a factor because they just didn't prove anything last year. Ward was good at the end of the season, but he's not necessarily a true go-to wide receiver. They added some other guys in the draft as well. So Rager could automatically step in and be the number one option there. But if Jeffrey's back and Jackson's there, I think that just sort of lowers the ceiling a little bit. So I'm going to lean toward talent. I think Judy and Lamb are better talents. So I'll take those guys over Rager. But if Rager has no Alshon Jeffrey, he's going to elevate up my draft board pretty quickly and pretty highly. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, okay, so now the most intriguing part of really in terms of offense of the draft is what the Raiders did. And I know over at CBS Sports, you had a chance to speak to Darren Waller, their great tight end, who was coming off a fantastic year last year. I still think even after the draft, Waller's probably their number one receiving target because I'm not sure that Ruggs is that guy. But meanwhile, there's so many other questions, Jamie, that I have. Like, I mean, is Lynn Bowden going to play quarterback at all for the Raiders? Like, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not really sure what they did. It almost seems like the Raiders of the 80s and the 90s, what they did, just getting all kinds of speed and talent. So I know Al Davis has passed away, but certainly he had his imprint, I thought, on that draft. It, it sure felt like it. Look, I, I think you look at Ruggs. Um... Uh, the comparison that I think a lot of people will make favorably is, is Tyreek Hill. You know, the, the negative will be, is he John Ross or Darius Hayward Bay? You know, guys that have been drafted for speed and, and didn't pan out. But uh, Ruggs is a tough kid. You know, he could do different things. People just look at him as a guy that can run downfield. That's not the case. You obviously did not watch what he did at Alabama or what he's capable of doing. So he's got a ton of speed, but he's a guy that can, you know, run every route and I think be very successful. I think you're right, though. Waller still projects as the number one guy, but there's no, certainly more mouths to feed because Brian Edwards is a good prospect coming into the league from South Carolina. Like you said, Lyndon Bowden, is he going to play running back? Is he going to play wide receiver? Is he going to play some quarterback? You heard John Gruden say he wants to have a little bit more mobility at that position, adding Marcus Mariota speaks to that as well. But I think you look at also Hunter Renfro and Tyrell Williams. They're part of this roster and probably still going to play quite a bit. But, you know, Waller was head and shoulders. A lot of it had to do with, you know, Renfro and Williams missing time. But you know, dominated targets. I think he's still going to be the target leader. Derek Carr is not a guy that's going to throw downfield a lot. He'll throw downfield successfully. His completion percentage downfield uh, better than a lot of people think. But he's going to make those short area throws. That's what he likes to do. Get the ball out quick. Try to avoid making mistakes. Avoid taking sacks. So I still think Waller's got top five potential at the tight end position. But Ruggs, to me, right now is the third rookie wide receiver. I take him behind Lamb and Judy. Still a smidge ahead of Rager. But like I said, I can see myself moving Rager ahead of those guys. So I'll do it. I'm the Jet fan here of the crew. Talk to me. We all have had our fill of Adam Gase here. So obviously now I have to continue following him. But what do you think? Mims there to the Jets on uh, the second year in Adam Gase's offense. Do you like the weapon? Do you like the kid uh, heading to New York uh, for Sam Darnold? I love it. You know, uh, we, we were talking leading up to the draft. You know, I was at the combine and you looked at all the talent at the wide receiver position position. Uh, 37 wide receivers were drafted in this in this draft. 15% of the of the uh, NFL draft was wide receiver. 
And we were saying, okay, the teams that need offensive line help in the first round can go out and get an offensive lineman and a pretty good one and then still come back in the second round and get a great wide receiver. And the Jets nailed that. I think they got stud potential with Becton and then stud potential with Mims. I was really shocked to see Mims go to round two and fall almost to pick 60. So you look at what he's capable of doing. He's still a little bit raw coming out of Baylor, but there's so many targets available and such a big opportunity. And we look at Darnold, and yes, he didn't have the greatest second year last year, but how healthy was he? You know, coming off the mono situation, did he ever get back to full strength? Do we know that? Does he know that? I don't think that's something we have to see and see how he can sort of take this second opportunity in an Adam Gay system, and can he be successful? I like Jameson Crowder. I think he's a very good possession receiver. Rashad Perryman, don't look at what he did at the end of last year. It's not the same offense. He's not going to put up those eye-popping numbers. But getting Chris Herndon back, I think, is going to be successful for this Jets offense as well. I think we'll see a better team just because the offensive line will be better. So I'm excited about Mims. He's not my favorite rookie wide receiver, as we talked about. But once you get past that first tier of guys, he's in the same conversation with guys like Michael Pittman, with the Colts, T. Higgins, if you're looking long-term, with the Bengals, LaVishka Chenault, with the Jaguars, another guy that's got a lot of opportunity. And I think Mims, back end of round one of a rookie-only draft, early part of round two, it's a perfect spot to get somebody like him. Before we get to the tight ends, is there a receiver? Because I feel like it was deeper that running back. Is there a receiver, Jamie, Claypool, Pittman, someone else that was taken round two, three, four, five, that maybe you like the spot more than some of your colleagues or, or other people in fantasy? You know, I was talking up Antonio Gandy-Golden before the draft, the receiver from Liberty, six foot four, 220 pounds. He put up back-to-back 70 catches, 1,000 yards, and 10 total touchdowns each season at a small school. And he ended up in Washington where there's really not a lot of talent. You got Terry McLaurin, and that's basically it. I like Steve Sims. I think we could see maybe something from Kelvin Harmon. But I think Gandy-Golden's got a chance to be successful right away just because they need help. No tight end to speak of right now. So I love trying to get him. I'll reach for him in round three of a rookie-only draft. I'll take him with a late-round pick in a seasonal league, but I think he's got the upside to be a starter right away, and I love the fit for him in Washington. Yeah, I got a couple of first-round picks in my dynasty drafts. I'll hit up Jamie right before that so I don't make the same mistake of taking Isabella like I did last year. All right, uh, so I want want to save quarterback for last because I think that this conversation is going to be really quick, and maybe I just didn't do enough research going in, but the tight end draft in fantasy for 2020 from the rookies, Jamie, looks like a complete zero to me. How did this happen? I just think it's not a talented group right now. You know, uh, the one that intrigues me the most is a guy that actually didn't get drafted. I'll go back to Washington. Thaddeus Moss being signed as an undrafted rookie free agent going to the Redskins. Again, they, they lose Jordan Reed. They lose Vernon Davis. Um, you know, he's not the same player like his father, obviously. But he, uh, he had a couple touchdowns in the national championship game. Comes from that program at LSU where they just put up eye-popping numbers. It was surprising that he didn't get drafted. You know, he's not the biggest tight end. But uh, there's an opportunity there. And I think that's what you look for. So, um, you're not going to draft any of these guys. Cole Clement could be really good next year once the Bears figure things out and move on from Jimmy Graham. That was a weird signing to begin with. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just not ex- uh, an overwhelming group. But, you know, I think the fact that the Saints got one to replace Jared Cook could be good at some point. Like I said, Clement, Clement uh, for, the, for the Bears could be good at some point. But Thaddeus Moss is the one I'm going to keep an eye on just to see if he can make the roster and then see if he can actually get a chance for playing time. Yeah, Patriots have two tight ends, although I hadn't really heard about much of them uh, going into the draft. Okay, so... Uh, quarterbacking outside of Burrow feels like more of a dynasty conversation, but if I had to sort of throw some starting numbers at you from a fantasy position in 2020, uh, my guess would be is that Burrow would start game one and barring injuries start all the way through. My guess would be Herbert, uh, you know, some point in the midway season mark if the Chargers aren't doing well or if Taylor is struggling. And, and Jamie, I don't see Tua playing at all 
maybe maybe he's on the lock schedule where he plays like two or three games at the end of the year. But I really don't even see that. And then beyond that, I don't think any of the quarterbacks are slated to play at all. Do you see it that way or, or switch it up for me if you don't? I could see Tua playing if he's healthy and the Dolphins, you know, are not in playoff contention, which is what we expect the Dolphins not to be in playoff contention. Just because if he's healthy, you want to see if the investment you made is going to be worth it while they're still trying to build around this young team. So uh, I would actually expect Tua to play probably before Herbert because I do think that the Chargers have such an impressive roster that had they had a great quarterback in place, they would challenge the Chiefs and be a legitimate playoff team. And maybe Tyrod is that guy. I don't think he's a great quarterback, but you look offensive line better with what they did adding Trey Turner, adding Brian Bulaga. We know about the skill players. The defense got a lot better with the additions of Chris Harris and what they did in the draft, getting Derwin James back healthy and that pass rush. So they're going to hang around a little bit. And if that's the case, I think Anthony Lynn will stick with Tyrod. They'll let Herbert sort of sit and sort of bide his time. But if two, I think, is ready to go, we know there's no long-term investment from Ryan Fitzpatrick. They got what they got out of him last year. He may have cost them Joe Burrow uh, just based on how he performed. They got them some wins. So I could see Tua actually playing before Herbert, but I think they're kind of tied together. The Drew Locke scenario is a very good one. Waiting until the end of the season to see if both guys can actually get some starts in before their second year. Yep, certainly feels like that. All right, Jamie. Jordan Love love going on here, man. Ah, forget it. (laughs) Two years. Well, maybe after that report yesterday, maybe it's sooner than later. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. We've taken enough of Jamie's time. Uh, Follow Jamie on Twitter, at Jamie Eisenberg. Of course, CBS Sports, cbsports.com. He and the great crew over at CBS covering fantasy football like no other. Jamie, thank you again for coming on. Really appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. That's Jamie Eisenberg. Craig Bish and Joe Ranieri here on Fantasy Sports Today. We are still underway here on the show. Plenty more to get to as we continue on after this quick timeout. FST right here with Joe and Craig on SportsGrid. Don't go away. We'll be right back. DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.